0: Our scripture passage today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 17, beginning in verse 6. Hear God's holy and authoritative word. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me. And they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. The grass withers and the flower fades. You may be seated. As we come to God's word, we need his help. So let us begin with a short prayer. Father, we thank you for this prayer that Jesus prayed on behalf of his disciples, that we have it here for us to read and to meditate on. But we need your spirit to make it alive in our hearts. We need your help to have ears to hear. Please do that work in our lives right now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we're coming to the second part of Jesus's prayer to the Father. Remember where we're at. uh, Jesus had just finished the Upper Room Discourse, the Last Supper with his disciples, to prepare them for his leaving. And then we've come to this final act of Christ before his betrayal, where he is praying to the Father. And we saw last week his prayer to the Father that the Father would be glorified That the disciples would have the eternal life that Jesus has authority to give. And then we have two sections that follow our section now this week, uh, dealing with the particular disciples that Jesus has spent his life with, namely the 11 here. But next week we'll be looking at the next stanza, which is really for us, those who had not yet believed but that will come to believe as it tells us in verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So here, Jesus has in mind these particular men, which begins our message today. Really, we have three questions that this passage uh, answers for us. Who is Jesus praying for? Why is Jesus praying for them? And what does Jesus pray for? So who is Jesus praying for, why is he praying, and what are the things that Jesus is asking the Father to do for these people? First, who is Jesus praying for? We've already told you, tip my hand, it's not very difficult to understand who he's talking about here, that he is praying for his disciples. But interestingly, in verse 9, Jesus makes this uh, negative clause. Uh, I am not praying for the world might strike us as odd that jesus would say something like that but the point here is not so much that uh, there's no relevance for us but that jesus has in mind these beloved brothers these people he spent his time with and he is praying especially for them he has them on his heart and his mind these are his closest disciples And they are being called to a particular task. You see later on in his prayer that he is going to send them into the world. And so Jesus is praying for them as they are going to face his leaving, but ultimately their mission. But who are these disciples? How does Jesus describe who they are? I think there's a lot in this prayer that can inform uh, our understanding of how God is at work in the world. Not only is this true about his disciples, about who they are, how they came to be, but it's true for all who belong to the Lord. We are told, verse 6, that they are people that the Father gave him. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me. So the Father had people, particular people. These 11 men in particular, he gave them to Jesus, from out of the world. So they were men born under the law, under the curse and wrath that is the result of sin and the fall of Adam. And yet, God has taken them out and given them to the Son. He goes on, they were yours. And you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now, it's pretty clear as we've read the Gospels and what's going to happen with Peter in particular uh, after Jesus is betrayed that they have not kept Jesus' word or the words that he spoke about the Father perfectly. So, if they are the ones that the Father has chosen and has given them to the Son, and they have kept his word, what does that mean? Well, Jesus kind of answers it for us. They have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Verse 8. These are the ones who have been given the ability to believe, to believe in who Jesus is, where he came from, believe the miraculous claim that he is indeed the Son of God who has come from the Father that he himself has revealed the Father to them. They have believed and therefore have kept the word. Verse 9 continues the same point again and again. I'm not praying for the world, but those whom you've given me. For they are yours. All mine are yours, and all yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. These particular people, the people who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, are not accidentally in his kingdom, but are handpicked, if you will, by the Father, and given to the Son, and kept through his mediatorial work, and now belong to both the Father and the Son, and are renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that in the saving of these particular people, the Son is glorified. And the Father is glorified. This is the great interworkings of the Trinity as it brings about God's redemption in the world. Jesus' disciples belong to the Father before all eternity. They've been given to the Son. They know the Father's words. They have come to know the truth. And they belong to the Father and the Son. Okay. There's enough there. We could contemplate the rest of our lives. You know, we don't have time for that today. But why is Jesus praying for them? Why? We know in our context, Jesus is leaving. And so there's a sense in which Jesus uh, is entrusting them to the work of the Father to, uh, to keep them, as we are told, to keep them from the world, keep them from the evil one, Right? Uh, But there's a particular need that these disciples have that Jesus narrows in on. And we have to do a little bit of uh, looking at the implications of his prayer to really see them. And so, why is Jesus praying? Well, it's related to what he prays for them. So, why is he praying? we will sum it up this way. They will be tempted by division, by evil, and by doubts. They are going to be tempted by division, evil and doubts. So Jesus prays for them. These men who are going to go out in the mission that Jesus has commissioned them to do in the power of the Holy Spirit, but they will be tempted to be divisive, to have to face evil, and they will have doubts. So first, they'll be tempted by division. We're told here to that Jesus asks the Father to keep them that they may be one. To keep them that they may be one. It's interesting that that is the prayer. Not that they keep them so that they will persevere, but that they will be united together. Verse 11, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one Even as we are one, the unity that we have just talked about between the Father and the Son and the work of redemption, the words from the creed we just spoke, all of the unity between the Father and the Son, just as they are one, he is praying that his disciples would be one. It's not a theme that Jesus hasn't already talked about. Remember uh, his command to love one another, that people would know you're my disciples by the way you love one another, and his command to love him and to love the Father. And so the disciples will no doubt be tempted to divide. I can imagine after Jesus is put to death, the disciples weren't in great agreement about how they ought to respond. We know that they went and hid. I'm sure some people were more offended by that than others. We get some allusion to the disciples, some of them going out to be more involved in the removal of Jesus' body. Perhaps they would be tempted to think less of their brother's. Or perhaps to know that Peter had denied Jesus three times. And they would say, what kind of man is Peter? There are many things that can divide Jesus' disciples. Where to go, how to respond. And yet, Jesus' prayer is that they would be kept by the Father to be united There are many things that can divide us today. You don't have to go very far into your mind to think of at least three or four extremely hot-button topics in our day. And we, too, are always tempted to be divided. But what Christ is praying for his disciples here, what Christ prays for all of us, is that we would be one just as he and the Father are one. Indeed, that might include disagreements. It might include hard words. It might include having to learn together. But if we are so caught up in how other people are reacting to things that it causes us to divide, to think less of them, we ought to have great caution. Just think that example of Peter. I would have been on the team to say, Peter's out. But Jesus here knows what is going to happen. He knows hard times are coming. He knows it will not be easy for them to live in the world. And there will not be consensus, but they are called to be one. To be united in him. To be united to the Father. To be united in love for one another. So Jesus first prays against this temptation for division and asks the Father to keep them. That they would be rooted in his word, transformed by his word, united to a king who rules far greater than any of us men. Second, Jesus prays for their temptation to evil. Jesus says he's leaving the world, verse 15, but he asked that he would not take them out of the world, that they would just be able to escape what's going on, that, Father, why don't you just bring them to heaven with me? No, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Keep them from the evil one. there's a spiritual reality in our lives as those who belong to Jesus. It's easy for us to minimize its effects in our lives. It's hard for us to see in any tangible ways. We get a little bit of an inside look at this in Luke chapter 22. Jesus is speaking to Peter and he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, But I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. This temptation to Peter. This very interesting parallel to Judas, both deniers of the Lord. One being given over to the evil one and ultimately hanging himself on a tree in shame, and guilt, and without repentance. And yet Jesus says he prayed for Peter, that his faith would not fail, and that when he turns again, Peter, you are going to fail. You are going to be tempted. There is a hit out for you. But when it comes, your faith will not fail you. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brother's. Jesus is praying that the Father would protect his people, protect them from division, protect them from the evil ones. All of the temptations in our lives that would draw us away from Christ and the gospel and his people. Jesus is praying that the Father would keep us. That our faith would not fail. That even when we feel like we've failed, when we come back, it will give us the ability to strengthen Others, Jesus has prayed for their temptation to divide. He has prayed for the temptation to evil. And lastly, Jesus prays for their temptation to doubt. Sanctify them in the truth. Verse 17. Your word is truth. We know that the disciples doubted greatly everything that they had heard from Jesus when they saw that he had been executed. We know they were filled with fear and anxiety and doubts and sorrow and mourning when they saw the Lord dead. Jesus knew this would happen. This is why he is praying. Because they will be tempted to live in those doubts. Instead, he asked the Father to sanctify them in the truth. Okay, what does sanctify them in the truth even mean? Okay, so if you know some biblical language, sanctify, sanctification. Okay, it's a a word that we often associate with being made holy. Which is certainly appropriate that they would be made holy. But even the idea of being made holy carries with it a lot more uh, freight, if you will. Because of the context in which Jesus is speaking this, he says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And they are going out into the world with the same mission of Jesus. Jesus. He is sending them into the world, just as the Father has sent the Son into a world that will hate them. So what does it mean that they would be sanctified? That they would just be in a holy huddle? No, that they would be set apart. This imagery of being made holy in the Old Testament is not just merely a ceremonial category in that it is uh, cleaner. Got all the bad stuff off. But that it's actually set apart for a particular purpose. We talk about setting apart ordinary elements in the Lord's Supper. This ordinary bread and wine is being set apart. It's being sanctified. It's being uh, commissioned to a particular role. They are being sanctioned for this new work. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. They are being set apart for the mission to go and do the same work Jesus had done. Just as the Father had sent Jesus, Jesus is sending his disciples, and they are needing to be set apart in truth. How will this happen? How does the Father sanctify them in truth? Well, if you remember, we were told back in John chapter 16, verse 13, he said, The Holy Spirit is going to be coming, and he will lead you into all truth. He will bring to mind all of the things I said to you. He will be your helper. The Father... And the Son will send the Spirit to lead the disciples into all truth, to set them apart for this task. The Holy Spirit also, in Acts chapter 1, we are reminded, gives them the ability. But you will receive power, it's the same word for ability, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, to all the ends of the earth. The Father is going to send the Spirit once the Son has ascended into the heavens again. So that this sanctifying work, this setting apart of his disciples to be people of the truth. Your word is truth. That the word of God would be the means through which God would Bring about his mission, that when they go to these places, to Judea and Jerusalem and Samaria, that they would know the truth, speak the truth, declare God's word. In the face of their doubts, in the face of their fear of evil, in the face of their temptations to divide, the disciples are being upheld by the Father because Jesus is making this prayer. will alleviate their doubts. And Jesus prays that they would be sanctified in that truth, that they would be rooted in that truth, that they would have God's words as their foundation. Our passage ends in verse 19, giving us great comfort for why we can have any assurance that any of this is going to happen. He says, And for their sake, for the sake of his disciples, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. Jesus is praying to the Father. He is really the only one with true access to him at this time. He is their great priest who is interceding for his people. And here we have in these words a great reminder that it is Jesus who has consecrated his own body, who has set apart his own life to pay the price for them to be able to be sanctified, to receive the love of the Father, to be united just as the Father is united to the Son. Jesus, in his own self, is making it possible so that they can be sanctified in the truth just as he is. Set apart in the same way that he was set apart to go do the mission of the Father. They are set apart to do the mission that the Son has given to them. There's great comfort knowing that Jesus was not unaware of the things that befalled his disciples even before they happened. And that as he has these few moments to pray, it is them that are on his heart. It is these disciples that he pleads for. And not only that he pleads for, but that he secures in his finished work that he is about to accomplish on the cross not many hours later. these prayers, though specifically uh, given for his disciples at this time, give us, too, the same comfort. As we face divisions, as we are tempted by evil, as we have doubts, we can know that this same jesus christ is interceding for us that the consecration is not just for them but for all that will belong to him as we see in the next verse and we will look at more in depth next week brothers and sisters i don't know where your confidence comes from but jesus wants to give us confidence in him and in our relationship to the Father. That when we are tempted in these ways, we would seek his counsel, his spirit, his work. We cannot heal divisions in our churches or anywhere beyond without God's help. We cannot resist evil without God's help, and we cannot overcome our doubts without God's help. May He's. May his Holy Spirit give us these abilities. May we trust in the words that Jesus is praying for us now. May we rest in the consecrated body of Jesus given so that we can come to the Father and ask these things. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. That... You keep your people, the people who you chose before the foundation of the world and gave to your son, you now keep by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, we are people fraught with division and doubts, tempted and giving in to evil continuously. But we know that you are interceding, that the, the Son has made requests. We know that you uphold your people, and we pray that we would be upheld. We pray that you would give us the ability to trust you more, to look to you in our times of need. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.